Hello everybody and welcome to a slightly late edition of This Week in Comics. Uh, this is the show, the podcast within a podcast, where I look at all the uh, new releases that are coming out this week, the comic book releases both in singles and in trades. Um, this is the third week in a row I've been doing this, um, but as you may be able to tell, I've got a little bit of a cold today. Uh, I've just been on holiday, um, gone to Anglesey in Wales, had an amazing time, come back uh, ready to read some comics, uh, ready to uh, look at some new releases with you. But you'll have to bear with me, so if I'm sniffy and snotty, then yeah, just really apologies for that. Anyway, I'm going to mix it up this week a little bit. I'm going to be looking at the singles, I'm going to be looking at the trades, uh, and any omnibuses and hardcovers that are coming out as well. Uh, I'm going to be splitting the singles uh, into uh, DC and Marvel Comics, and then splitting it into um, anything else, so independence, create our own works as well. Uh, I had a few people talk to me about the fact that sometimes they read, they only read uh, DC and Marvel, sometimes they only read um, anything else like independence, they avoid the big two if they can. Um, this is uh, the single issues then, so I'm going to dive straight in. This is the comic book releases uh, for today, Wednesday, October 18th. Okay, so first up, looking at the uh, single issues for uh, independence, for creator-owned works, uh, Animosity Evolution number one, coming out by Aftershock Comics, uh, written by Marguerite Bennett with art by Eric Gapster. This is a brand new series, an additional ongoing Animosity series. So I don't know if you guys have been uh, reading Animosity, uh, but it's a fantastic series, uh, one of Aftershock's best, uh, that they uh, talk about the animals waking up and uh, turning on humanity. Uh, so there's a second series that's coming out. Uh, certainly it's a uh, concept that deserves uh, an expanded universe being developed into it uh, and there's another expanded universe coming up that I'm going to be talking about shortly uh, but Animosity Evolution is the new series that follows on uh, from Marguerite Bennett uh, also uh, she's the writer of the original Animosity series uh, Animosity Evolution coming out by Aftershock Comics with art by Eric Gapster uh, now talking of a second ongoing expanded narrative world Sherlock Frankenstein and the Legion of Evil um, from the world of Black Hammer. So have you guys been reading Black Hammer? I love Black Hammer. I've heard a few people say it's a bit derivative um, and other people, you know, saying it's uh, it's too deep in its own homage. I absolutely love it. I think it's pitch perfect. I think there's a lot of throwbacks, a lot of callbacks um, to uh, comics, uh, characters and concepts from uh, from days gone by. So there's Captain Marvel thrown in there. There's Captain America. There's DC crises. There's uh, multiversal collapse and uh, you know, nods to Fantastic Four, Galactus, everything like that. You know, anything and everything from uh, from Big Two history is involved in uh, Black Hammer and uh, from Jeff Lemire uh, and Dave Stewart. And so this um, uh, this series, Sherlock Frankenstein and the Legion of Evil, is a spin-off um, ongoing. Now, um, I am not sure whether this is going to be an ongoing of Sherlock Frankenstein or if this is an ongoing concept of them exploring... Um, villains and other characters uh, in the sidelines of the Black Hammer universe. Uh, similar to Astro City that we'll talk about in a bit, uh, the world of Black Hammer is uh, full of um, homages and uh, superhero tropes or um, stories that play on that theme. Uh, and obviously the original uh, Black Hammer comic ongoing that's, uh, that's uh, coming out at the moment from Dark Horse talks a lot about um, these set of heroes that have been stranded in this alternate dimension after uh, their last great multiversal crisis uh, 10 years ago. 
and the arrival of Lucy Weber, uh, who's the daughter of the titular Black Hammer himself, um, she has arrived in the small uh, kind of prison town um, to investigate the disappearance of her father and the other heroes. And um, this uh, spin-off series uh, called Sherlock Frankenstein and the Legion of Evil, uh, this follows Lucy Weber as she investigates the local asylum and looks up the histories of some of the supervillains that have opposed her father, looking for clues to his disappearance. And so Sherlock Frankenstein is the first um, villain that she looks on. And he's made a cameo appearance in um, comic in the Black Hammer comics before, but this is the first time he's actually got a full issue devoted to him. So I'm really fascinated to see, who, uh, see what comes of that. And I'm just looking forward to... Um, absorbing more of this world you know this black hammer universe is um has got a wealth of possibilities to it um and so i'm really excited to uh, to look into that so that's sherlock frankenstein and the legion of evil uh, it's jeff lemire on writing david rubin uh, who's done some of the art for black hammer as well uh, and dave stewart on letters um so definitely um definitely pick that up um when you can now uh also uh, coming out a brand new number one um, there's a couple of number ones I'm going to be talking about, but this is the first one. Uh, this is Rugrats number one uh, from Boom Studios. Hang on to your diapies, babies, is what it says. Now, I read this uh, first issue. I read this uh, preview, uh, review copy of this first issue because I was uh, curious by it. I love Rugrats growing up. Uh, I didn't realise that I'd uh, watched so much of it because uh, until I read this issue. So when I read this issue, every single character, I've not seen the show in well, what must be 15, 15 years or so, uh, but every single character's voice came through loud and clear in my head when I was reading this comic, so I must have absorbed hundreds of hours of Rugrats uh, when I was younger, so uh, for their voices to be so ingrained in my head. Uh, anyway, Rugrats number one is their first comic book series uh, ongoing by Boom Studios, written by Box Brown, uh, art by Lisa Dubois and Coro Jorge, um, Boom Studios, Rugrats number one. It, it's exactly what you uh, what you expect it to be. Um, so there's that. Uh, if you love Rugrats, if you love uh, these comic book uh, adaptations of your favourite cartoon series from the past, definitely dive into that. Uh, next up is now number one. Now this is from Fantagraphics. Um, it's a little pricey, but it's uh, it's nine dollars ninety nine, and it's an ongoing comics anthology of short stories uh, by a mix of established and up-and-coming talent. Now, um, there's usually themes with uh, with anthologies. I don't know what the theme is for this, but it's a Fantagraphics work. Um, it looks fantastic, and some of the um, creators involved, um, some of the names on display here, there's Eleanor Davis, Noah Van Skyver, Gabriel Bell, uh, Dash Shaw, Sammy Harkham, Malachi Ward, as well as international authors such as J.C. Menu. Concita Herrero, uh, Tommy Parrish, Tobias Shulkin and Antoine Cossi. Now that could have gone a lot worse um, because I didn't read those names ahead of time. However, I think I've done them well. Apologies if I've butchered any of them. Um, there's uh, amazing, looks fantastic. Um, I'm definitely going to flip through it on the shelves and I uh, probably will pick it up as well because it looks, looks really good. That's now number one from Fantagraphics and that's a new ongoing comics anthology series. Um, coming up next uh, from IDW, we've got Kid Lobotomy number one. Now, this is the first of uh, their Black Crown imprint, uh, which looks a little bit like Vertigo, a little bit like um, the new um, Gabriel 
uh, Gerard Way uh, imprint uh, that's uh, Young Animal coming out from DC Comics. Uh, anyway, Kid Lobotomy number one uh, is written by Peter Milligan, art by Tess Fowler. Love both of those creators. Uh, and this is Kafka meets King Lear by way of Young Frankenstein, a dark and demented monthly satire that follows a dysfunctional family of hoteliers. They've already won me over with that. I've read the review copy of it. Um, I've not finished it yet, but I've read through uh, what I've read through and it's uh, it's looks brilliant. It looks really intriguing, really unique. Um, and obviously Peter Milligan's from Shade, The Changing Man, uh, stuff like Britannia and Hellblazer, uh, and Tess Fowler, obviously um, fantastic talent from Rat Queens. Uh, they've got uh, the first volume, uh, the first issue of this coming out this week, Kid Lobotomy number one, and that's the Black Crown imprint uh, of IDW, so definitely pick that up. Um, next up from Image Comics, we've got Maestro's number one. Uh, apologies uh, for the snotty nose that I've got, but uh, Steve Scrooge is um, the uh, creator of this series, and it's the maestro and his entire royal family have been murdered. Now his banished son from Earth will inherit the Wizard King's throne, along with a spell that turns its user into God. With enemies everywhere, will this Orlando-born millennial be able to keep his new magic kingdom? So Steve Scrooge, if you're unaware of him, he was the storyboard artist on the Matrix trilogy, uh, the artist of Brian K. Vaughan's We Stand on Guard um, and Doc Frankenstein, um, as well as the writer-artist on Wolverine. Uh, and he's been uh, the artist of Amazing Spider-Man, Alan Moore, Alan Moore's Youngblood. Um, so apologies. Sorry, I'm not laughing at that. I'm just laughing at my terrible, terrible um stuffed nose that's uh but i'm gonna i'm gonna power through power through anyway um maestro's number one uh steve scrow's number one looks really um looks really good uh dave stewart uh phonographics uh also involved in creating it uh, and that's coming out from image comics also out from image comics did you guys read realm number one that came out last month um i thought that was uh really really fascinating uh issue number one it was kind of walking dead uh meets uh warcraft kind of a fantasy world apocalypse um the actual concept that was the that's the elevator pitch anyway the actual the the fully realized concept didn't really um rear its head too much in issue number one i felt like the um the elevator pitch of yes world of warhammer uh walking dead meets world of warcraft um was um was it pretty explicit once you knew that but if you didn't know that going in and some of these brand new number ones i like to go in blind uh just looking at the cover alone um as you do in comic shops just pick up what you pick up um uh so when i read went back and reread the solicit i kind of i understood it a little bit more then um so the number one uh the first issue didn't for me didn't fully engage that um that concept however what I want this series to be, what I uh, what I expect of this series is it for it to at least be um, a substantial ongoing that kind of dives into this universe. Uh, so Realm number one uh, did a good job of dragging me into this world um, and you know involving me in the um, in the concept of it. Uh, issue number two, I'm hoping opens up and expands that universe and kind of really uh, embraces that concept as well. So that's Seth Peck, Jeremy Horn. Uh, Realm number two coming out from Image Comics this week. Um, also coming out this week from Image Comics is Shirtless Bear Fighter number five of five. So I don't know if any of you have read Shirtless Bear Fighter. I read the first issue 
uh, kind of dropped off it a little bit. Um, but a lot of people have been raving about it. A lot of people have loved this series. The final issue is out this week. Uh, so it's the uh, chance for you to uh, pick up the last issue of this uh, this mini-series. Uh, the heart-stopping conclusion, as it says in the solicits. Um, whether you um, have enjoyed the series, whether you've been picking it up, or whether you're waiting for trade. Uh, the final issue is here. So uh, the trade, knowing image comics won't be too far behind. Uh, that's Shirtless Bear Fighter, number 5 of 5. That's Jodie LaHop. Neil Vendrell and Andrew Robinson uh, that's created that. Uh, finally, um, well not finally, two more uh, in the uh, independent section. Uh, Dead of Winter, number three, Kyle Starks, Gabo, Brian Hurt. Uh, if you know anything about me, you know that I love, love, love anything Kyle Starks does. This is the comic book adaptation of a board game, which shouldn't work as a concept, you know, straight up like a an adaptation of a board game, it seems bizarre. However, we've already had Clue this year, which was fantastic, uh, continues to be. Dead of Winter number three is uh, is not too far behind that as well. It's a zombie apocalypse. Um, it's written by Kyle Starks. It's um, got a superhero dog. Uh, I don't know what more you need, really. You should already be picking this up. However, if you're not, number three um, is, you know, it's as good a time as any if you're going to jump on it. Uh, hopefully you can track down issues one and two if you enjoy it, but definitely flick through it at the book at the bookstore. Have a look, see what you think. Uh, I really enjoy it. It's a different, uh, it's a different set of talents uh, that Carl Starks is calling on for this. Obviously, he's writing uh, on you know things like Rick and Morty and his own ongoing Rock Candy Mountain, as well as some of the graphic novels and web comics that he's produced, he has a definite voice. And that voice does ring through in Dead of Winter as well. However, there's a seriousness to this book, and there's an edge to it. And I don't know if you uh, feel the same way as I do, but, uh, Dead of, uh, but horror stories that have comedy, or comedy that has horror within it, um, always accentuates both of those things. So the comedy and horror is always funnier, because it's in such a dark situation. And the darkness, the horror aspects are always more horrific when they're surrounded by comedy. Uh, so Dead of Winter number three definitely plays on both of those themes. And there's a twisted dark side to this. There's a twistedness that was um, that was very uh, present in the original Walking Dead series. Uh, not the original series, obviously. The original series is still going. But the, uh, the original couple of uh, volumes of Walking Dead felt a lot uh, grim, a lot more grim, a lot darker, a lot uh, more twisted and unpredictable than I feel like it's gotten these days. Uh, whereas Dead of Winter has still got that dark unpredictability and that twistedness to it. You don't, you still don't quite know who the survivors are going to be. Uh, you don't know which, uh, which ones are going to come through and survive at the end of the story. Um, however, Dead of Winter, brilliant series. Anyway, number three is coming out this week, and uh, that's Carl Stark, Gabo, and that's from Oni Press. Finally, in the independence, then, uh, we've got Faith and the Future Force, number four, by Valiant Comics. Um, this is this has been a fun um, a fun series. This has been a fun event uh, that Valiant to be putting out this summer, uh, following Faith Herbert as she is dragged through different timelines in order to um, try and rescue, uh, try and save the human race. Uh, and uh, it's been a brilliant series. Jodie Hauser, Clayton Henry, Barry Kitson. Issue number four is out. If you've been following along, this is the final issue of uh, this event. If you haven't read any of these, then uh, don't start with number four, obviously, but hopefully track down the previous three or wait for the trade to come out. It's definitely worth your time, definitely worth looking into, uh, but that final issue is coming out this week. On to DC Comics then. Uh, we're going to have a look at DC Comics first and then dive into Marvel Comics. 
These are the big two comics that are coming out this week, October 18th. First up, we've got Astro City number 48. Uh, now, obviously, this is a, um, you know, what used to be Vertigo, what will be Vertigo again. Um, Astro City is one of those series that uh, you can, you can pick up and you can read and you don't need to have read every single issue. I've certainly not read every single issue of Volume 3. I've read Volume 1 and I've read Volume 2. But Volume 3 is on issue 48 now, which is that's the issue that's coming out this week. I had heard that Astro City 47, uh, last month's issue, was worth reading, was worth picking up. And I'd read it and it was amazing and I absolutely loved it. It's uh, Astro City at its best. And issue 48 is the second part of that two-parter. If you read the first part, you'll know uh, what it's about. It's about a kind of Firestorm-style uh, superhero with the powers to combine two beings into one which is something obviously Firestorm does however this is a man and his pet dog calling himself G-Dog he becomes this superhero that um, relies on his dog to elevate him into the status of hero which he was a bit of a petty crook before that's how he got his powers and the dog brings him the, the honourable loyalty and good-natured spirit of this dog allows him to um, become this better person. And if you did read uh, the last issue, you'll know that there was a hint of a heartbreak uh, to come. And issue 48 is where that heartbreak hits home. I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but I have read issue 48. It is brilliant. It's definitely worth your time. So if you've not been reading uh, Astro City, don't worry. Read last uh, last month's issue 47. Come back and read this this week's issue 48. Uh, and you will thank me for it. It is a brilliant two-parter. And that is by Kurt Busiek, obviously. Um, Batman 33 is out this week. The uh, War of Jokes and Riddles is over. Uh, what did you guys think of that series? Did you enjoy that run? Did you enjoy the storyline? Did you enjoy the uh, the focus that was given to Kite Man? I certainly did. I've been enjoying Tom King's run. I've heard a lot of mixed reviews about it, but uh, for me, it will it will stand the test of time. I'm, I'm confident of it. Batman 33 carries on the uh, story from the engagement um, of Batman to Catwoman uh, that was that was started at the beginning of Batman, uh, beginning of the War of Jokes and Riddles, uh, the, the, the issue before that story kicked off. War of Jokes and Riddles was a bit of a flashback, um, so it didn't really progress the current storyline of Batman and Catwoman. However, this dives straight back into that, um, and it's called A Dream of Me Part 1. Following his marriage proposal to Catwoman, Batman leaves Gotham City on a quest of renewal and redemption. He and Bat Catwoman have gone off to um, find the one person he needs to talk to and he needs to reveal the fact that he has um, proposed to Catwoman. He needs to tell this person about it. Who that person is, uh, is the final page reveal, so you'll have to read the issue to find out. It is worth reading, it is worth uh, seeing uh, who that person is and it's also worth diving into uh, the issue to find out how they get there and why they're going in the first place there's also some amazing interaction between alfred and the uh, myriad of robins uh, that have uh, been past and present uh, that uh, follow batman and the bat family around so there's a, a the good interaction there's a, a wonderful couple of scenes with them that you uh, you want to be reading as well so that is um, Batman issue 33, and that's written by Tom King with Mikkel Yannon and Joel Jones on the art. Uh, so that's definitely uh, worth your time. 
Next up in the uh, Batman uh, oeuvre is Batman the Drowned. So I don't know if you guys are following DC uh, Dark Knight's metal, uh, but Batman the Drowned is the next one-shot uh, in a series of one-shots that look at the evil, dark, twisted Batman that have been coming out. Um, and this one is the mix of Batman and Aquaman. So the current writer of Aquaman, Dan Abnett, is um, writing this one with Philip Tan and Jason Fabok on art. Now... Uh, this is a um, Aquaman, as I say, uh, mix. So if you've been reading these stories, I found that they've um, they've been good for the most part. There's been the, the quality of them's up and down, which is only natural because each each one's written and drawn by a different person, covering a different one shot um, version of a, a you know a different Batman, different evil Batman as they go through. Um, so your mileage may vary on different ones. However, this one looks good. Batman the Drowned. I've not been reading Aquaman. Not really a huge Aquaman fan. Uh, however, I don't think you really need to be to pick up these one-shots. Uh, but it is worth getting Batman the Drowned uh, number one. Uh, so that's it for... That's the only ones I really uh, found worth mentioning um, from the DC uh, DC stable this uh, this week. Moving on to Marvel. They are diving headfirst into their Marvel Legacy lineup. So a lot of these books are getting the renumbering treatment and I want to know what you feel about this how do you feel about um these renumbering does it mean anything to you is it is it good is it bad is it a step forward for marvel a step backwards i mean literally it is a step backwards for them they're going back to their legacy numbering but you know uh, how do you feel about it let me know i'm at matt loon on twitter m-a-t-t-l-u-n-e or you can email the show uh, that's the issue podcast at gmail.com uh, coming up first, we've got Cable number 150, Ed Brisson, John Malin uh, creating this. Uh, it looks to be uh, picking up on the concept of uh, where uh, Cable first came from. I don't mean the twisted dark future that it came from. I mean the original comics, obviously the New Mutants with uh, Rob Liefeld. Uh, this is called The Newer Mutants Part 1. A lot of these legacy books are not, are not just renumbering, um, but as we'll see shortly in a minute, uh, they're actually picking up on um, older storylines, more popular concepts and characters. So Cable 150 is diving back to uh, a time when he was part of the New Mutants, uh, and he's leading a brand new um, team uh, to combat a new deadly threat. So that's Cable 150, Ed Briston, John Malin. Also on the Legacy lineup, we've got Incredible Hulk number 709. I bet Marvel are really kicking themselves that they missed uh, Incredible Hulk number 700. Uh, but there we go. And talking of uh, popular storylines, probably the most popular uh, Hulk storyline was Planet Hulk uh, by Greg Pak. Um, and this is a return to Planet Hulk, very literally, because the story is called Return to Planet Hulk Part 1. Uh, issue 709, again written by Greg Pak, uh, but with art by Greg Land. Uh, I felt like I could hear you groaning when I said art by Greg Land. I feel exactly the same way. Uh, however, this is Amadeus Cho Hulk, as we know, the totally awesome Hulk. He's picking up the mantle of the Incredible Hulk now, the storyline. Uh, the comic book moving forward is going to be called Incredible Hulk again, um, and it's going to issue number 709. And what I'm going to be finding fascinating for this, what I can't wait to read, I've not been reading um, uh, Totally Awesome Hulk. Uh, have you been? Is it any good? I've been reading the character when he's been in Champions, and I've really enjoyed the character, so I think I will definitely dive back into those uh, Hulk comics. However, seeing the idea of Amadeus Cho, who is brains over brawn, um, being sent to Planet Hulk 
where it is definitely brawns win the day, you know, muscles and um, fists and uh, anger and rage and fury are what uh, what caused Worldbreaker Hulk to um, to rescue that planet from certain destruction. And this is going to be a very different Hulk returning to Sakaar. Uh, so that'll be really interesting to see um, how he delves into that. Incredible Hulk number 709 out this week. Um, and there's also Invincible Iron Man number 593. So Brian Michael Bendis, Stefano Caselli, Adi Granoff doing the cover. The Search for Tony Stark, part one. Um, and that's uh, Invincible Iron Man number 593. So Infamous Iron Man and uh, Invincible Iron Man are coming together uh, into one series. Uh, so it's going to be involving Riri Williams. It's going to be have Doctor Doom, uh, Victor Von Doom in there as well. Uh, it's going to have the entire Iron Man family, which at this point is growing. It's got his mother, it's got Pepper Potts, it's got Mary Jane Watson. Uh, and they're all on the hunt for a missing Iron Man. If you read Marvel Legacy number one, uh, the body of Tony Stark has uh, gone missing. So they are on the hunt. They're on the search uh, for what happened to him. The cover by Adi Granoff uh, is you know, a callback to the Warren Ellis Extremis run and countless, countless covers that Adi Granoff did uh, in that era of Iron Man. Um, and obviously his designs influenced the movies, uh, Iron Man 2008. So calling back to that specific look of Iron Man is a very clever idea on behalf of Marvel to have that on the front cover. However, Invincible Iron Man number 593, Iron Man, uh, for what it's worth, was one of the first Marvel comics that I got into. Uh, I picked up a... Um, a UK reprint of Marvel re, uh, of Heroes Reborn that had Iron Man and Fantastic Four in. So I've always got a soft spot for Fantastic Four. I've always got a soft spot for Iron Man. I remember reading Iron Man comics when they were in the high numbers, uh, 500, 510, 520. Uh, so 593 is um, a return to form for me. Uh, it's something that I'll be picking up. And I, I don't know what it is about the numbering. You know, I'm, I'm not really bothered by numbering really. Uh, never really bothered by it uh, normally just an issue is an issue but seeing these high numbers on these comics uh, does interest me and does uh, for for better or worse against my better judgment it does actually uh, get me interested and get me excited again so uh, damn you marvel uh, you're actually making it work luke cage number 166 uh, written by david walker nelson blake on art covered by dave johnson uh, luke cage yeah, has been a really good series um, at the moment. Uh, the new series of it has been fantastic. Uh, this is Caged Part 1, um, where Luke Cage, or Carl Lucas, uh, as his uh, original name is, uh, he's going back to jail. He's been sent back to jail. That's where he got his powers from in the first place. Um, and uh, he's going back in there. So it's calling back again, as um, as Marvel Legacy is wont to do. However, this is Luke Cage from a 166. Not a particularly milestone issue number. It does It's you know a long way before it gets to 200 or anything like that. However, there we are, 166. The big milestone issue, though, for Marvel this week is Mighty Thor number 700. Now there are a lot of creators working on this. People that go throughout the legacy and the history of uh, the Mighty Thor as a character. Um, I'm not going to reel them all off here but uh, Jason Aaron and Russell Doughtman are doing the main story and it's the death of the Mighty Thor part one. Uh, Final judgment comes as the Mangog arrives hinted at in legacy issue, uh, issue number one. Uh, however, we know that um, Jane Foster has been battling cancer for all this time. We also know that her uh, transformations into the Mighty Thor um, are only accelerating the cancer that's going through her body, or at least counteracting the chemotherapy drugs that are going through her system. 
Um, so this was potentially inevitable. Um, the cynical part of me feels like this was inevitable because of the fact that, you know, the original Mighty Thor, the Odinson Thor, has got a, a movie coming out. And, you know, let's face it, it wouldn't have been long before the Mighty Thor returns uh, to the Odinson. So it's uh, it's a shame it's, it's happening. It's a shame that it has to happen. Hopefully there will be some way to keep both of the characters around. You know, hopefully Jane Foster can find some miraculous comic book cure for cancer uh, and not die. However, the series is called Death of the Mighty Thor. And usually Marvel when they release a series called Death of Series, so whether it's the Death of Captain Marvel, which this is obviously mirroring, Death of Wolverine, Death of Ultimate Peter Parker, Spider-Man, they usually come through with that promise. Whether uh, that character comes back to life anytime soon or not is remains to be seen. Obviously, Wolverine's just come back. Um, but uh, Mighty Thor number 700, um, again, they missed out on uh, 600 for Incredible Hulk. They're not going to miss out on 700 for Mighty Thor. So there's that. Finally, from Marvel this week, uh, is Deadpool versus Old Man Logan, number one of five. Declan Shalvey is writing this time. Uh, love, love, love Declan Shalvey's art, but love his writing as well. I've started reading uh, the um, series, the uh, the graphic novel that he released uh, recently. Um, which was Savage Town, and um, that was uh, an amazing series, uh, an amazing volume for what I've read of it so far. So Declan Shelby has uh, got a great talent in writing as well as in art. He's doing Deadpool versus Old Man Logan with Mike Henderson on art. Mike Henderson might be, uh, you remember, from Nailbiter, from Image Comics, um, with uh, Josh Williamson, who's now writing The Flash. Um, so this series is in safe hands art-wise, giving Declan uh, full opportunity to uh, develop the series uh as a writing credit instead um have you do enjoy these deadpool versus series there are a lot of them uh, that have been out uh, over the years uh, whether it's versus the marvel universe or versus himself or versus uh, historical literature uh, which was uh, which was a bizarre one uh, or whether it's versus zombies uh, in the uh, night of the living deadpool series and its sequel from colin bunn this, however, is uh, Deadpool versus Old Man Logan. We don't know how long Old Man Logan's got left in this world. Uh, the movie's gone out to Blu-ray, and that's that's in the past now, so we don't need to keep him around for that. The new Wolverine's just uh, returned. We've also got um, the all-new Wolverine in uh, X-23 um, with Laura. So do we need an Old Man Logan around? I mean, I'd argue that we need him around more than we need young man wolverine because you know he's he's had his time he's had a thousand and a thousand and thousand comics um but there we go young wolverine is coming back there's only room for so many of them uh so this might be one of the grand land uh, last hurrahs uh, for this old man logan to get it while you can um so that's marvel that's dc that's the big two moving on to um trades and omnibus issues that are coming out if you're a trade waiter these are what you're looking for these are the trades coming out october 18th uh, 2017. Okay, first up then, we have Giant Days Volume 6. Now, if you've been reading Giant Days, John Allison, uh, Max Sarin, Lisa Tremen, um, Lisa Treman, sorry. Uh, Giant Days is brilliant, brilliant, funny, uh, enjoyable, uh, exciting um, to read, to pick up uh, every month. These are the, heart, the the volumes that are coming out. This one, Volume 6, collects issues 21 to 24, uh, is it a, uh, a good a good place to dive in? I would argue that you, you need to be picking up Volume 1 uh, and going from there. However, this is the start of the second year of their university for Daisy, Susan and Esther. Um, they're moving off campus in this storyline, uh, whereas you know a lot of the 
troubles and shenanigans that they got up to was because of them all living on campus together. Uh, they're still living together, but uh, they're moving out um, of the campus as a lot of students do in second year. So it's following the natural storyline progression um, of these characters as they go through. It's um, look, it's a brilliant series. You hopefully have been sold on it already. If you've not been sold on it, uh, Giant Days Volume 6 will be in the brand new releases section of your comic book store. Pick it up, flick through it, see if it's the kind of thing you enjoy. Go and pick up Volume 1 and start from there. Uh, it's a brilliant book um, and uh, it's $14.99 and that's from Boom Studios. Uh, coming out from Dark Horse is... Um, a book called Mr. Higgins Comes Home, which is in the Mignolaverse. It's Mike Mignola, Warwick Johnson, Cadwell on art. Um, and it's a series of uh, stand, um, cl- a series of vamp- classic vampire stories. And it's an original graphic novel, um, which is following on from the footsteps of the amazing Screw on Head, uh, which came out uh, not too long ago. Mr. Higgins Comes Home looks to be a brilliant kind of satirical vampire story uh halloween's coming up so if you've got presents to buy for loved ones this is uh, an amazing one it's a hardcover it's 56 pages uh for $14.99 and it looks brilliant preparations begin at castle colga says the solicitor for the annual festival of the undead as a pair of fearless vampire killers question a man hidden away in a monastery on the baltic sea Uh, mysterious mr higgins wants nothing more than to avoid the scene of his wife's death and the truth about what happened to him in that castle however these heroic men sworn to rid the world of the vampire scourge inspire higgins to venture out and to end the only suffering he really cares about his own Uh, so definitely pick that up that looks amazing if you're a fan of mike mignola then you're going to want to pick that up moving on to dc's um uh trade and omnibus releases there's a lot of them coming out this week some of the best ones they've got grayson super spy omnibus hardcover so if you've been if you missed out on the original grayson series it was brilliant it was um everything that you didn't know you needed uh, from a superhero spy comic uh, dick grayson left the persona of nightwing behind and joined spiral as agent 37 he faked his death in the, oh, what was it called? You have to let me know that because I've completely forgotten the storyline. Um, the Forever Evil, Forever Evil, that was it. Uh, he died, quote unquote, in that series and only to be reborn as this Agent 37. This omnibus edition collects Grayson 1 to 20, Secret Origins number 8, Grayson Annual Numbers 1 to 3, Grayson Futures End, Robin War 1 to 2, and Nightwing Rebirth number 1. So, as you may or may not know, in the new solicits, obviously the new series of Grayson in the Rebirth era, a uh, new series of um, Nightwing. Uh, shows you, proves, you know, spoils the ending potentially that he does return to the Nightwing persona eventually. However, this is brilliant series uh, that you can read as a standalone thing. It's uh, $99.99, so $100 close enough. Uh, but it does collect everything you need um, from the Grayson series, the Grayson era of the um, of uh, the Nightwing character. Uh, JLA, The Nail, another Nail Deluxe Edition hardcover. Uh, Alan Davis, um, I think this is, uh, yes, it collects JLA, The Nail, 1 to 3, and JLA, another Nail, 1 to 3, in one single hardcover for the first time. Um, and it's a, it's kind of an Elseworlds tale. It is an Elseworlds tale, really. It focuses on a nail, one single nail, that uh, causes the Kents to have a flat tyre. 
They That then prevents them from discovering the small rocket ship with the alien baby inside that we all know turned out to be Superman. And the world's greatest hero never comes to be. So it's a what-if tale. It's a... Um, it's a wonderful life kind of uh, homage, really, in a way of, well, one little thing, uh, one person not exi- not existing, how does that change the world? Obviously, Superman is very different um, to uh, Jimmy Stewart's character in the sense that he is a super, he's a superman, he's a superpower being, he's saved hundreds of thousands of lives. Uh, but as we found out in that classic car- uh, Christmas film, one person not being in the world can make a hell of a difference. This was an exploration of that story. So uh, this is the nail and another nail collected for the first time in hardcover. They are quite uh, old, old stories now. They're not brand new, but they're definitely worth reading. That's $39.99 that that comes out. Now, Sebastian O and The Mystery Play are two um, smaller miniseries written by Grant Morrison. I've actually not heard of these before, so you guys will have to fill me in on what you think of these and when they first came out. This is a collection of both of these miniseries in one. Um, Sebastian O is an Edwardian dandy out for revenge on the members of a shadowy, sordid gentleman's club that had him committed to a mental institution. Hunted by assassins, Sebastian believes he will try and find means of his exquisite fashion sense. And then in the graphic novel The Mystery Play, an actor portraying Satan is accused of murdering the actor playing God in a Renaissance festival, bringing a rural English village to the edge of self-destruction. This is Grant Morrison and Steve Yole. They are a classic team from uh, the days of Zenith for 2000 AD. So this is uh, a book I'm definitely picking up because love, love, love Grant Morrison. Can't believe that I've not heard of these uh, miniseries before not picked them up but uh, as I always say what I don't know could fill a barn so I'm really excited to uh, pick those two up that's the 29 um from Grant Morrison uh, Steve Young and DC Comics um, have you guys been reading the Wild Storm the new Wild Storm uh, rebirth reinvention um, that has been uh, released from um, DC Comics Warren Ellis has returned to the Wildstorm universe. I've not uh, been reading them. I read the first issue and I didn't uh, read again, you know, what I don't know, Philibarn. I've not read any of the original Wildstorm comics. I didn't grow up reading DC or uh, I didn't, uh, or you know, that much image, uh, image comics which is what they came under at that time. The Wildstorm imprint, I didn't read any of that. It completely went over my head. Uh, it's very insular growing up uh, with my comics reading uh, Marvel exclusively. Um, but uh, I definitely wanted to read these uh, new comics that came out. Um, so I read the first issue. It um, was brilliant, but completely went over my head. So I waited, I waited for the trade. The trade is now here. The first, vol- the first volume of The Wild Storm collects issues one to six. Um, so that's going to be uh, one I'm going to be picking up. Uh, that is uh, Warren Ellis, John Davis Hunt and Jim Lee. Uh, issues one to six of the series. So that's something that I'm going to be picking up uh, as well. Next up, uh, DC's graphic novels. Um, well, that's it for DC's graphic novels. But next up, uh, in any other graphic novels. First, second, I'm bringing out a book called Head Games Graphic Novel. Uh, it's a comic book adaptation of a novel. Uh, Craig McDold and Kevin Singles have created this and uh, it looks brilliant. I love First Second. I will always stop um, and look at First Second releases uh, when they come out. 
And this is ageing crime novelist Hector Lasseter thought that his adventures were long behind him, but then he's delivered a treasure worth killing for, the skull of Mexican revolutionary Pancho Villa. With brooding poet Bud Fisk and hard as nails beauty Alessia Vincente, Hector must make a mad dash across the American Southwest. If he can sell the skull to highest bidder, he'll score big, but in the meantime has to dodge bullets from deranged fraternity members, ageing soldiers of fortune and crooked feds. So it's an Edgar-nominated novel, uh, an ad- adaptation. This adaptation is brought to life with beautiful two-colour art and reminiscent of the classic era of Pulp Fiction. So there's a lot of things I love in that. There's crime noir, there's Pulp Fiction, uh, there's two-colour art. Um, the cover of it looks amazing. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, what looks to be like a drop-top uh, Cadillac driving towards you. The headlights really are revealing the, the title of the series and a huge skull looming over the background. Definitely worth your time. That's uh, Head Games from First Second, and that's $19.99. From IDW is the Behind You One-Shot Horror Stories. Uh, I'm getting bored of telling you that I love Halloween. Uh, It's it's October this month, and this looks right up my street to help me uh, enjoy Halloween all the more. Behind You One-Shot Horror Stories. So it's a comic with no panels. Each page, each piece of art is a separate story. It used to be a webcomic series. It's, it has been released uh, in a collected trade edition previously before. This is the first volume. This is the first time the volume has been collected by IDW. It's by Brian Coldrick and it is gorgeous. It looks, each page is unique. Each page is its own uh, horror kind of thrilling horror story if you search for behind you and brian coldrick online uh, you can find some of these web comics you can also find some of uh, the motion comics that uh, he's uh, brought some of these uh, images to life uh, in a very creepy way as well they're like little old black and white um horror vignettes uh, and that's $15.99 uh, and it's called Behind You and it's called One Shot Horror Stories by Brian Coldrick, IDW Publishing, definitely worth your time. Um, next up is um, Plastic Trade Paperback, this is the last one we're going to be talking about this week. Um, I read um, issue one of Plastic um, because uh, it was part of the um, comics of the month that uh, Ian Mondrick had selected for Super Comic Battle Wars which is a podcast I do with uh, Ian and Kyle Welch over at multiversitycomics.com you should check it out Super Comic Battle Wars it's a lot of fun Uh, however I read Plastic Issue 1 and I was creeped out grossed out um, but despite my better judgment I did actually really enjoy it Uh, this is the trade collection of issues 1 to 5 of Plastic it collects the whole volume uh, collects the whole series so far Uh, there isn't uh, an an issue 6 coming out so if you want to read the entire story um, definitely uh, pick up this trade paperback it's all about retired serial killer Edwin Stoffgruppen and he's in love with the, with Virginia, a girl he met online. And she, her affection quiets his vile urges, and together they tour the back roads of America uh, in their car, eating donuts and enjoying their insatiable appetites for each other. Um, the only difference is um, the the twist to the whole tale. She gets kidnapped. Uh, forcing him to kill again in exchange for her freedom. But the twist to it all is that Virginia is a sex doll. Now, whether you um, enjoy that that concept uh, for a comic book or not, uh, it is not at all the series you were expecting it to be. 
there's a lot of gross out moments, uh, which is part of the course for a concept such as that. However, um, I really enjoyed it. I really want to reread uh, the issue one as well as the rest of the series. So I'll probably be picking up this volume. 1699, uh, created by Doug Wagner, Daniel Hilliard and Andrew Robinson. Um, so plastic tray paperback uh, from Image Comics uh, that's also coming out. So what else is coming out that you're enjoying this week? What are you looking forward to? What are you going to be picking up today? Uh, did I mention it? Did I not mention it? Uh, what are you enjoying? Uh, what are you not enjoying? What are you what can you not wait to come out next week uh, so there's uh, some more stuff coming out next week obviously uh, next Wednesday that I'll be covering uh, in the next episode but in the meantime uh, follow me on Twitter I'm at Matt Loon uh, follow the show uh, that's the issue at, at that's the issue on Twitter uh, I'll be um, releasing a uh, another episode of the um, proper that's the issue series will be coming up on Monday um, and uh, that'll be with uh, an interview with some interesting people, so pay attention to that. You can email the show, that's issuepodcast at gmail.com. Until then, enjoy your brand new comics, enjoy whatever you're reading, get in touch, let me know what you're enjoying, um, and I'll, uh, I'll speak to you next week uh, for some more new releases. See you then, bye. Excellent.